بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتفاتها وكل محتفة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So our topic today is on the evils of magic the evils of magic and the scholars mention that whenever we see tawhid the understanding of tawhid and likewise iman the strength of iman whenever it diminishes or decreases in a society in a land this is the time in which the magicians and the sorcerers and all the various types of knowledge the fields of knowledge which clash and contradict with what the prophets brought this is when those types of uh, sciences and these types of activities when they begin to appear within a society so when you see that the effects and the remains of prophethood meaning the message brought by the messengers of the tawhid and iman in allah and iman in the unseen then in in in, in such a circumstance you will find that the magicians start to appear so we see tawhid and iman they ward off magic and the magicians and the sorcerers and when tawhid and iman it becomes weak and diminishes then you see that the magicians and the sorcerers they take place and they take hold in society they take a root in the society and with this general observation we find that in the in the lands that we live in in the communities that we live in and even not just in these countries but in almost all of the muslim lands in in you know almost all of the muslim lands you see that magic is rife you'll hard you'll hardly find a family or or a person that you mix and interact with except there are there is something uh, in relation to magic as it, as it relates to them so with that understood we want to try to uh, understand the reality of magic Uh, what is magic was it what is its definition how does it take place what are the, the mechanisms what are the different types of magic how does a person treat magic before it occurs how does a person treat a magic after it occurs these issues inshallah ta'ala we're going to address in the uh, in uh, as the lecture progresses but first it's important that we lay some background information because magic you can't really understand unless you lay down some Uh, initial foundations or principles so 
Uh, the first thing that we should mention is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah uh, uh, has informed us that there are three types of creation. There are the angels, there are the jinn, and there are the men. And this is something you're already familiar with. We are told in an authentic narration by the Messenger of Allah that the angels are made from light and the jinn are made from the smokeless fire and man is made from the dust or the clay of the earth. And so when we look at the angels, we see the angels, they have no choice but to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The angels, they obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They never disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is alongside the fact that the angels also have, they actually have a, uh, that which the scholars explain, they have a will. The angels have a will. The angels also have reason. They have reason. Yet alongside this, they can never, ever, ever disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the jinn and men, then they are under the obligation of responding to the messengers, of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and responding to the call of the messengers. They are under the obligation. They have a will, they have a choice, they, are, they will be rewarded, they will be punished. And so the jinn and men, so the angels are distinguished from the jinn and the men. We see the angels have certain tasks that they fulfill. Amongst them are those who bring revelation, like Jibreel salam. Amongst them are those who are uh, in charge of death. Amongst them are those who write the deeds. And they also have other functions. They, amongst the angels are those who supplicate for the believers. They aid and support the believers. All of these are mentioned in the Qur'an. So, when it comes to the jinn and men, we see that of the three creations, they are the ones who are under the obligation to uh, worship Allah alone and to respond to the messengers. They have a, a, a will and a choice, and they can obey and they can disobey. Now, when it comes to the jinn and the men, then we know the story that is mentioned in the Qur'an at the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He announces to the angels that He is going to place a khalifa, a vicegerent upon the earth. And then you know that uh, the angels, there was a, 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 you know, a communication and discussion between the angels and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as the story continues, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He created Adam al-Islam, He ordered Iblis, to prostrate to Adam as obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Iblis, he refused out of arrogance, out of pure arrogance. And his reason, as we see, as is mentioned in Surah Sa'ad, قَالَ أَنَا خَيْرٌ مِّنْهُ He said, I am better than him. And then he explained the reason. خَلَقَتَنِي مِن نَار وَخَلَقَتَهُ مِن طِينَ That you created me from the fire. And you created him from the, you know, the, the, the clay. So he made this analogy, he made this qiyas. This was the first analogy made. He made an, 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 an analogy. And he claimed that because he is made of fire, that he has some superiority over Adam salam. So from this point, we see that uh, the, as the story continues in the various passages in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Baqarah, in Surah Sa'd, and other places, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He expelled Iblis for his arrogance, 
because of his arrogance. And he expelled Iblis. He expelled Iblis and he rendered him one who is cursed. And Iblis knew that he is someone who is destroyed. He knew, he knew that his eventual destination is going to be in the fire. So when this was the case, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give me some respite. He asked Allah to give him a delay and a respite. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gave him a respite. He gave him a period of time to delay the, the punishment. Otherwise, Iblis knows that he is definitely an inhabitant of the hellfire. So after this, we are told in the various narrations in the Qur'an that, that Adam alayhi salam and his partner, his wife, were made to enter the garden and they were ordered not to approach a certain tree. And so remember at the same time that Iblis has been expelled and he's, his intent... His enmity towards Adam al-Islam has been established from this point onwards. So then as we know, he went to Adam al-Islam, he began to whisper certain things. And from the things that he whispered, is that he claimed that your Lord only prohibited you from approaching this tree because he didn't want you to become eternal. He didn't want you to realize or to come to know the secret of eternal life, living forever. Or he didn't want you to become angels. And that's why in the Quran, in Surah Al-A'raf, as we see that uh, Shaitan, he came and he said, مَا نَهَاكُمَا رَبُّكُمَا عَنْ هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ إِلَّا أَن تَكُونَا مَلَكَيْنِ أَوْ تَكُونَا مِنَ الْخَالِدِينَ that your Lord did not prohibit you from this tree except that you become angels or that you become from those who live forever, who remain forever. And in another ayah, in Surah Taha, we see that shaitani came to them. And Allah says, فَوَسْوَسَ إِلَيْهِ الشَّيْطَانِ قَالَ يَا آدَمْ هَلْ أَدُلُّكَ عَلَى شَجَرَةِ الْخُلْدِ وَمُلْكِ اللَّهِ يَبْلَى He said, O oh Adam, shall I not direct you to a tree of eternity and a dominion that will never ever waste away. So, we see that Iblis, when he came to Adam al-Islam, he came to him under the guise of promising him the knowledge of eternal life, of living for eternity. And as a, as a side point, when you look into history, and you look at many, many different nations in history and, and civilizations in history, and you look at their, the religion that they are following, you will find that there are many mythologies in their religion. And what they believe in those mythologies is they believe that they will eventually become eternal. That they will eventually become eternal. Or they, or they believe in an eternal life. And as part and parcel of this religion, you see them committing many acts of kufr, many acts of shirk, many types of human sacrifice. All of these affairs, these are, these are ways in which Iblis has misguided these people. And when you study the religions, like for example, many of the religions 
in South America and the religions in uh, Egypt and many other religions when you go back many many thousands of years you see that you find that these uh, beliefs are found amongst these, these civilizations and you see that Iblis has, has misguided these people he's misguided their leaders he's misguided their kings into thinking that they can become eternal that they can become eternal and so the same promise that Iblis made to Adam alayhi salam he has continued making that promise throughout history to uh, civilizations and people and nations and made them by way of that to fall into disbelief in Allah, disobedience to Allah, shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because his aim, as he stated, that he will misguide all of them. You, know, you see in the Quran where he said that I will misguide all of them. He made that promise that I will surely misguide all of them. So, this now establishes the point that we are taking from this, my brothers and sisters, is that there is a historical enmity. There is a hatred between the men and the jinn. This is a fact of, uh, of reality, of our life, that there is a hatred between mankind and jinn. And this we find mentioned explicitly in the Quran, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He ordered Adam and likewise Iblis to descend and to, to be placed upon the earth, He said, He said, All of you descend, depart from here. Some of you are enemies to others. So we see clearly in the Quran the enmity established between the, 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 the jinn and the men, the shayateen from the jinn amongst the uh, mankind. And we see clearly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also mentioned in the Quran explicitly, Indeed, the shaitan is to you an enemy. So take him as an enemy. That this shaitan is an enemy, so take him as an enemy. He only calls his party that they may become inhabitants of the hellfire. So now we've established clearly that Iblis, shaitan and Iblis, is an enemy to Adam alayhi salam. So we have an enmity established So we have enmity established between the shaitan and his offspring and Adam salam and his offspring. And this now leads us to the second point which is that the jinn, they are the, they are the offspring of Iblis. So Iblis is the father of the jinn. Just like Adam salam is the father of the men. We see that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah he says in one of his works, he says uh, that all praises due to Allah, that which is in the Quran is that they, the jinn, they see mankind from where mankind do not see them. And this is true, that the jinn can see us, we cannot see them. Which necessitates that they see mankind in a condition that mankind do not see them. So again, it just simply means that the, the jinn, they can see us and we are not able to see them. And he says the shayateen are the rebellious ones amongst the men and the jinn. 
So amongst the jinn, there are rebellious devils. Just like amongst the men, there are rebellious men. And both of them are, are referred to as shayateen. So we have shayateen amongst the men, shayateen amongst the jinn. And of all the jinn, and all of the jinn, they are the offspring of Iblis. And Allah knows best. So in other words, all of the jinn, just like Adam al-Islam is the father of mankind, then all of the jinn, they are the offspring of Iblis. And we see this is narrated from some of the early scholars, from Imam al-Zuhri, rahimahullah ta'ala. He said, فَإِبْلِيس أَبُوا الْجِنْ كَمَا آدَمْ أَبُوا الْإِنْسِ That Iblis is the father of the jinn, just as Adam is the father of the men. And similarly, Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Iblis was, never, Iblis was not from the angels. Not for a single day was he from the angels. Not for the, not for the blinking of an eye, ever. But he is the origin, he is the source or the origin of the jinn, just as Adam is the origin of the men. And we see in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He explicitly states in the Qur'an, إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ كَانَ مِنَ الْجِنِّ That all of them prostrated except for Iblis, he was from amongst the jinn. So this clarifies to us a misconception that is held by certain people that Iblis was from the angels and he was a fallen angel. You find this in some of the other religions like uh, Judaism or Christianity. And all of this is batil, it is false. Rather, Iblis was always from the jinn and he is the father of all of the jinn. As for these jinn, we can see that they can take forms, they can appear in different forms. So we see in various uh, narrations in the hadith, we see it is mentioned that they can take certain forms and Ibn Taymi says that the jinn can appear in the form of men and animals. So they can appear in the form of snakes, scorpions and others. And in the forms of camels, cows, sheep, horses, mules, donkeys. And in the form of birds. And in the form of the sons of Adam. They can appear even as, as men. So, once we understand all of this, that there is enmity between Iblis and Adam alayhi salam, which means that there is enmity amongst the offspring of Iblis, who are the jinn, and amongst the offspring of Adam alayhi salam. And this is explicitly stated in the, in the Qur'an, where mutual enmity has been placed uh, between them. And this now leads us to the issue of magic. What is Magic and what is what is really going on and taking place in magic? Well, in magic, what is taking place is that there is a mutual benefit taking place between the jinn and the men. In fact, it's not really a mutual benefit; it's actually one-sided. And we see that in the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala on Yawmul Qiyamah. He will speak of this mutual interaction that took place between the men and the jinn in the life of this world. Allah says in Surah Al-An'am, Surah 6, Surah number 6, verse 128. He says, Allah will say on the day that He raises and re resurrects them all. So all of mankind, all of jinn are resurrected and they are stood and they are waiting. 
So Allah says, O gathering of the jinn, He's addressing the jinn. O gathering of the jinn, you indeed, you sought to, you know, uh, you sought to acquire increase from the jinn, meaning you interacted uh, with the men and you sought increase. And then Allah says, وَقَالَ أَوْلِيَاؤُهُمْ مِنَ الْإِنسِ And then their friends and protectors, their allies from the men, they will say, رَبَّنَا اسْتَمْتَعَ بَعْدُنَا بِبَعْدٍ O our Lord, we sought benefit from each other. So the men will say, O our Lord, we sought benefit from each other. And then it continues and it says, وَبَلَغْنَا أَجَلَنَا أَلَّذِي أَجَّلْتَ لَنَا and we have now reached the determined period that we have now reached. Meaning that we, we've passed away, we've died, we've resurrected, now we've come to the appointed meeting place that you promised us all along. Then Allah will say, قَالَ النَّارُ مَثْوَاكُمْ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ Allah will say, then the fire is your abode, remaining therein forever, except that Allah wills. Ibn Taymiyyah comments upon this ayah and he says, فَالْجِنُّ وَالْإِنسُ قَدْ اسْتَمْتَعَ بَعْضُهُمْ بِبَعْضِ فَاسْتَخْدَمَ هَاُولَا هَاُولَا وَهَاُولَا هَاُولَا فِي أُمُورٍ كَثِيرًا He says the jinn and the men, they benefited from each other. So these ones used those ones. So the jinn used the men. And these ones used those ones, meaning the men used the jinn. In many different affairs, in different affairs. And all of them, they acted for the other one. And they acted in a way where they will help to fulfill the objective of the other one. And magic and fortune telling is from this angle, is from this, from this topic. In other words, what we take from this verse is that there is mutual interaction between the jinn and the men. And they use each other in order to fulfill certain goals and objectives that each one of the two parties has. And from this interaction is what we see from the magicians and the fortune tellers. This is what they are doing. They are interacting with the jinn in ways in order to find certain uh, benefits and to fulfill certain goals and objectives. So, once we understand this, this now leads us to the definition of magic and the explanation of magic and what is the ruling upon magic. So we move to a statement that the scholars give to explain magic and they say that magic is an expression, sihr, the word sihr, which is magic in Arabic. It is an expression for something whose methods and ways and means are hidden and subtle, you cannot see them. And that's why there's a similar word which is called Sahar. Sahar in Arabic means the very end part of the night. So just before Fajr, the, the last portion of the night when it's very deeply dark, the darkest part, part of the night, that part, that part is called Sahar, Sahar. And you can see the connection between the word Sahar and the word Sihar. Because sihr means something whose ways and means are hidden, you cannot see them. And sahr means the last part of the night, when it's very, very dark and you, you know, can't really see anything. So this is the connection between these two words. 
And so what is what is being indicated here is that there are that, that there are effects that take place that we can't actually see with with with, with our eyes. We can't really understand. It's like if we were to take, for example, a magnet and another magnet, and you see that there's repulsion, we see there's an effect, there's a force taking place, but we can't see with our eyes what, what is that force. The, the method and the, the suburb, the, the way and the cause is actually hidden. We can't see it, we can't understand it. It's actually hidden. So in a similar way, when we see certain effects taking place in people, in their health, in their life, in you know a person's possessions, his livestock, his animals, we see all of these things taking place. We can't we can't actually understand what is the reason outside of the normal reasons that we that we that we know. Outside of the normal reasons that we know. There are normal reasons that we see as to why people become ill. A person has an accident, a person he you know there's fumes which come and you know they damage his his mind or his brain or whatever uh, illness of people. There are natural uh, things that we can explain illnesses by, but then there are other things that we cannot explain. You know these these illnesses or whatever else it might be. So magic, therefore, this word sihr, it refers to effects that we can see, whose reasons that, that we cannot see, whose reasons we cannot directly see, and this is the definition of sihr. Sheikh Salih Al Fawzan, he explains. He says, as occurs in his book, Kitab al-Tawheed, he says that magic huwa azaim wa ruqa wa kalamun yutakallamu bihi wa adwiyatun wa tadkhinat wa lahu haqiqah. He says that magic is that magic is something that comprises talismans. Talismans are things which are recited and incantations, and it is speech which is said, and it is the use of potions, the use of potions, and likewise the use of tadkhinat, uh, things which uh, give off smoke, you know, incense, smoke, these kind of things. So these are things which are used in order to implement magic. And magic is true and real. Walahu haqiqatun. It is, it is a reality. And from it is that which affects the hearts. So from magic is what affects the people's hearts. And from it is what affects the people's bodies. The bodies. And so therefore a person becomes ill or a person actually dies, is killed. And likewise from it is the separation between a man and his wife. All of this is from magic. Now as for the effect, when the magic actually takes effect then its effect only happens by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no instance of magic that is allowed to take place except that Allah has decreed it to be. Allah has allowed it to take place. However, it is, وَهُوَ amalun shaitan. It is a, a devilish, shaitanic action. And he says, much of this magic is something that cannot be achieved Except by way of shirk, except by way of associating, associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, by giving devotion, by worshipping or seeking nearness to the evil, vile, filthy spirits, meaning the jinn, the shiateen amongst the jinn, 
by doing things that they love and by using them and utilizing them by way of committing uh, shirk. So we see that there is a type of interaction now taking place between the jinn and the men and that there are things that the men do in order to win the support and the assistance of the jinn. And all of magic involves the jinn. Every effect that you see, the illness, the uh, change in character, the change in the heart, all of these things, everything is by way of, is by way of a jinn. And one of the ways that these magicians, they come to people, is they come in the form of people who are medicine men. People who are, who are medicine men. In history, this is what they used to do. They used to be a science, a false science, a fake science. It used to be called alchemy. This alchemy, it's a, a pseudo-fake science. And they used to claim in the days that you can turn, you know, dust and certain metals into precious metals. and It's all nonsense. But many of those magicians, they were, they were involved in this fake pseudo-science. And they would also come in the form of healers and medicine men. And through way of these, portion, uh, the, the, these potions that they used to have, they actually used to implement magic by way of these potions. And they're obviously using the, the jinn for this objective. And all of this was to uh, uh, cheat the people of their wealth. There were, there were charlatans, fraudsters, and the aim was to cheat the people of their wealth. But one of the things that the Sheikh mentions here is that one of the things that we should be aware of is that the, that the magicians... They, they come in the form of medicine men. This is how they come to people. They come in the form of healers and medicine men. And what they do is they start commanding the people to do certain actions, like for example, sacrificing to other than Allah, and you know, sacrificing a chicken maybe, or something, and they make them use these talismans or incantations which involve shirk, and you know, seeking refuge in the shayateen, so this is one of the avenues by which the shiateen, by which the devils amongst the men, the magicians, they come and they misguide the people. It begins in the form of healing and medicine. Do you have an illness? Do you have a sickness? Come, so-and-so will, will solve your problem. This is the door that opens. And then in reality what these people are doing is that they are relying upon the jinn uh, for whatever you know, effects that they, that they claim to bring. So, this magic then, that these people do is of two types. There are two types. One which is called Sihr uh, al-Haqiqi. This is the, the, the true and the real magic. And what this means is that the actual effect is true and real. In other words, a person becomes ill. Right? He can actually feel the, 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 the actual uh, the, the, the illness. Or a person dies. Or a person is separated from his wife, or from his father, or from his mother. These are effects which are true and real, which are actually taking place. This is this is sihr hakiki. On the other hand, there is a sihr a sihr at-takhyili. This is magic which is imaginary, meaning it is only taking place in the mind of the person. It's not true and real in reality. As an example, magic can be done upon an individual 
and he starts imagining or he starts seeing things. He sees a child as a puppy. Or see, he, he sees his wife in a certain way that is not normal. All of this is purely in his own senses. It is not re- it's, not, it's not actually real in the real world. It's something in his senses, his senses are being played with, his mind, his vision, his hearing, his senses, even his sense of smell, his sense of touch even. All of these things, he's being made to feel something that is not really taking place in reality. And this is what we call as-sihr al-takhyili. Right? So the distinction between them is that as-sihr al-haqiqi, the first one is something that we, where we see an actual true and real effect. It's actually taking place in the real world. And the as-sihr which is takhyili is something that's happening in the individual. He's smelling things that nobody else is smelling. He's feeling things nobody else is feeling. He's seeing things nobody else is seeing. And this is what we call as-sihr at-takhyili. So, there's also another type of magic, which is what we call just the trickery, which is where people come and they do magic tricks and it's slate of hand. And uh, all of this is using you know, advanced knowledge of the properties of things, or maybe they have uh, machines that they've developed, like, you know, person appears to stab himself but really it's a, a blade that you know contracts into the into the, the head of the you know so they have all these different tricks and these don't really involve the the shayateen they are just tricks by which they deceive the people and these are things that you see uh, by which they entertain the people now this is also unlawful it is haram to engage in this type of uh, activity and often many of the people who are involved in this type of uh, slate of hand magic you find that they're also involved in the other type of magic that involves the shayateen and the, and the devils. Now after all of this, what is the ruling on this magic? What is the ruling in the sharia upon magic? And the ruling in the sharia is very clear. And the proof for it is in the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah number 2, verse 102. In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He speaks of Suleiman alayhi salam. And He clears Suleiman alayhi salam of the false accusations that were made against him by the Jews and the Christians. And we'll come to this ayah in a short while inshallah ta'ala. But within this verse, there are three explicit indications that magic is kufr. Magic is disbelief. That anyone who enters into magic, he's automatically a disbeliever. And in this ayah we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلِيمَانَ وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُ يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرَ Allah says that Suleiman salam, he did not disbelieve, he did not become a disbeliever. But rather it was the devils who became disbelievers they taught magic to the people. And likewise in the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions about the two angels, Harut and Marut, that when they came to put the people to trial, they said, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةِ فَلَا تَكْفُرُ Indeed, we are a trial. We've come to you as a trial. So do not become, do not disbelieve. They warn the people, don't disbelieve by learning these things from us. That's the second proof in the verse. The third proof in the verse is right at the very end of the verse, in which Allah says, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ 
مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقٍ That they indeed knew that anyone who purchases, who, who buys or who purchases something of this, this magic, he will have no share in the hereafter. So there are three clear evidences in this ayah that in indulging in magic or practicing magic is disbelief. <coughs> Why is this? We shall come to realize this a bit later inshallah ta'ala when we see how magic actually works. How it involves the agency of the jinn and the men and how there's a mutual interaction taking place and by necessity it must involve disbelief. We'll come to, to look at that inshallah ta'ala in a short while. Likewise from the sunnah we see from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said Ijtanibu sab al-mubiqat Beware of the seven destructive sins, the seven destroying sins. So the companion said, What are they, O Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He said, Ashirku Billah wasihab. Notice how he mentioned at the beginning Shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And immediately after it he mentioned magic. Why? Because the two are connected. The two are connected. And so he put magic next to shirk because magic requires the assistance of the shayateen, of the, of the devils. Now, this magic, we've now established that there's enmity between Iblis and Adam, an enmity between the offspring of Iblis and the offspring of Adam, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us there is enmity, and that there will be amongst mankind and jinn who will seek mutual benefit. They will seek mutual benefit. We mentioned the verse in Surah Al-A'raf, I believe. And then we've established that from that mutual cooperation between the men and the jinn, from that is magic and fortune telling. And this magic we've now defined, that magic is that whose ways and means are hidden and subtle. Why? Because it involves the jinn. We can't see the jinn. And so these effects are taking place by way of the jinn. We've also established that this magic is kufr, it is automatic disbelief. And now we move to the next issue which is, how long has this magic been in existence? How long has this magic been present amongst mankind? And now some people might say, it started in the time of Suleiman it started in Babylon, in Babel, when the angels Harut and Marut came. But the answer to this question is in fact, that magic has been around since the time of Nuh alayhi salam. At least from the time of Nuh alayhi salam. What is the proof for this? The proof for this is in the Quran, is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كَذَلِكَ مَا أَتَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا قَالُوا سَاحِرٌ أَوْ مَجْنُونٍ Allah says, Likewise, no messenger came to those who came before. No messenger came. He mentioned a rasul, rasul. That no messenger came except that his people said, Sahirun aw majnoon. They accused him of being a magician or someone who is mad. So we know that the first messenger to be sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the messenger Nuh alayhi salam. So this means from this verse that magic has been in existence at least from the time of Nuh alayhi salam, meaning that from the offspring of Adam alayhi salam, the generations, 
there were those who began to make this mutual interaction with the jinn for certain benefits and objectives. And that this has been present at least from the time of Nuh So Nuh was accused of being a magician. Likewise, we see that the Prophet Salih in the Quran, his people said to him, Qalu innama anta min al-musahhibin. Indeed, you are from those upon whom magic has been done. And likewise, we see the Prophet Shu'aib salam, it was said to him, Qalu innama anta min al-musahhirin. He said, indeed, you are those from whom magic has been done. And likewise, the people in the gathering of Fir'aun, they said to, uh, they said about Musa salam, they said, Inna hadha lasahirun alim. Indeed, this is a skilled magician. So we see that magic has existed long, long way before the time of Prophet Suleiman alayhi salam. Now, this brings us to another issue that we want to very quickly discuss. This is the famous ayah in the Quran regarding Suleiman alayhi salam. And there is a long discussion of this ayah. In this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is speaking to the Jews in the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. These Jews were present and they were waiting for a messenger. In the Torah, it is mentioned that there will be a man by the name of Muhammad and by the name of Ahmed who will come. So these Jews, they came and they migrated to a place which we know today to be Medina, which was known then as Yathrib. And they came and they were waiting and anticipating this messenger. And what they used to do is that they used to boast to the Arabs because the Arabs, the tribes of the Arabs, they had dominated these Jewish tribes. And they were strong and they dominated these Jewish tribes. And what these Jewish tribes used to say, they used to say that when our messenger comes, when our prophet comes, then we will defeat you. We will dominate you and we will defeat you. So they were waiting for this uh, messenger and they used to boast to the, to, the, to, to the Arabs in that time. So when this messenger came, this messenger was from the offspring of uh, Ishmael. And when they, when, when they came and they recognized this, this prophet because they knew he was mentioned in their Torah, then what they did is, uh, in fact, Allah describes Allah describes this in the Quran. Allah says, وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ إِنْدِ اللَّهِ مُصَدِّقٌ لِمَا مَعَهُمْ, معهم نَبَذَ فَرِيقٌ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَرَأَ ظُهُورِهِمْ كَأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Allah says, when this messenger came from Allah confirming that which, came, that, that which they have with them in the book, then a group from them who were given the book, meaning the Torah, they threw the book of Allah behind their backs. As if they didn't know. As if they didn't know. So in other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the behavior of the Jews in the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That this is what they did. They knew he's the messenger and they threw the book behind their backs. It's in this context that Allah mentions the verse about Suleiman alayhi salam and Harut and Marut. So Allah says in the, in the verse which follows, the long verse which follows, and He's describing the Jews in the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu So He says about them that they threw the book behind their backs, meaning they rejected the messenger. They therefore threw the book behind their backs. وَاتَّبَعُوا مَا ala mulki Suleiman. And they followed 
what the devils rehearsed to them in the time of Suleiman. So meaning that in the time of Suleiman, the Jews in that time, they followed what the devils had been writing for them of the magic. And that continued amongst the Yahud, amongst the Jews, up until, up until, ta- up until the time of these Jews, in, in the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And they continued, continued following this magic. And that's why we see that the individual who did magic upon the Prophet ﷺ, whose name is Labid, he was from the Yahud. He was from the Yahud who did that magic. And this is what is being indicated in this ayah. So they followed what the Shiateen rehearsed upon the devils upon the Mulk of Suleiman. وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلِيمَانَ وَلَكِنَّ الشِّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا Suleiman did not disbelieve. But it was the devils who disbelieve. يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرُ Now here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has freed and exonerated Suleiman from the false claim made against him because what happened is, as we see in the tafsir of, the, of this ayah, that the devils in the time of Suleiman al-Islam, they used to write books of magic for the people. And when Suleiman discovered this, he took all of these books, and he took them from the devils, and he put them he put them away in a chest. Now when Suleiman al-Islam, when he died, those devils, they brought out these books, they, they, they brought out these books and they made the people come to these books. So when the people saw these books, they wrongly thought that this is how Suleiman al-Islam, how he had the control and the power over the jinn, and how he was doing whatever he was doing. And then when they came to these books, they, they thought that Suleiman al-Islam was in fact a magician. So then the people, they divided into different groups. There were two or three different groups. Amongst the Jews were those who believed that, that, that Suleiman Islam, he is indeed a prophet of Allah, and he is free from this accusation. And he is a muwahid. And that whatever he was given, was given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So was, there was a group of them who, were upon, who remained upon that truth, a group amongst the Jews. But there was a large group of them who believed that Suleiman al-Islam was a magician. And that this was how he was controlling the jinn. And so therefore this magic, they, they took this magic to be something acceptable and permissible. And so they began, this is how the, 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 the jibd and the taghut, we see mentioned in the Quran about them as well, that they follow al-jibd wa taghut. This is in reference to the magician and the sorcerer. And likewise to shaitan, they follow the shaitan in, 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 in this magic. So this group, they began to claim that Suleiman al-Islam was a sorcerer, and this continued amongst the Yahud, and likewise it, was, it is also found amongst the, the, the Christians up until this day. And this is a false accusation against Suleiman al-Islam. And in this ayah we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has freed and exonerated um, uh, Suleiman from this claim. Now this is not the only source of the magic that is found amongst the Jews, we see that in another ayah, in the same ayah, Allah mentions, وَمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ بِبَابِلِ حَارُوتْ وَمَارُوتْ وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ حَتَّى يَقُولَ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةِ فَلَا تَكْفُرُ So Allah mentions now a second issue here. Now we are, now we are speaking of the Harut and Marut in a place called Babil. Babil is a place called Babylon. It is about 160 kilometers from uh, present day uh, Baghdad in Iraq 
and this used to be a center of star worship right this is uh, uh, this is where the, the king uh, nebuchadnezzar they used to be uh, chaldees they used to worship the stars they used to be into astrology and they had uh, magic amongst them they had magic amongst them and the jews around 600 bc they were captured and enslaved and they were taken to babylon in babel and in babel there was as we said there was uh, a lot of this this occult uh, magic star worship astrology and the, there were sciences sciences of astrology and the use of symbols and numerology and things like this and so when the yahud when they were captive uh, 600 bc when they were held captive for a period they acquired all of that magic and that astrology and that numerology from those people from the from the star worshipers and those star worshipers were in fact the descendants of those to whom ibrahim alayhi salam was sent ibrahim alayhi salam he if you remember in the quran allah mentions a debate between him and between a king this king he claimed to have control over life and death this man he said ana uhyi wa umit i i give life and i take life and so and so ibrahim alayhi salam he said to him he said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he raises the sun from the east so you you make it rise from the west and so he couldn't so he was refuted this man it is said in the tafsir that he is uh the there's, there's a name given to this man the king of uh in fact uh, Sheikh Hussam ibn Taymiyyah mentions him he is Nimrud 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 was a king amongst the Chaldeans and Ibrahim al-Islam he debated with this man and this was in that region and so from that time this legacy of worshiping stars and believing spirits to be in the stars and using numerology and making all these calculations and believing that the spirits have an effect upon this this world and devising talismans and incantations and numerology all of this is something that was present and the jews they inherited it from those people now this became known amongst the jews as the qabala the qabala this word qabala simply means to receive wisdom and if you look at the words the qaf and the ba and the lam it is the same as the in the in, in the in the in the hebrew as the qaf and the ba and the lam in the arabic the qaf and the ba and the lam qubul uh, it means acceptance okay so this not this this uh, knowledge or this magic amongst the yahud it is known as the kabala kabala this is what they call it and this is the same magic when you look at this magic you see uh, what it involves and you see the numerology and you see the squares with the numbers and so on and so forth in fact I'll show you some of these um I'll show you some of these pictures here you see that this is what the yahud were involved with and the yahud what they did was they changed and they altered the uh, you, you know that they have the torah and they have another book which is called the talmud the talmud is a separate book and in this talmud this talmud which is really the writings and opinions and explanations of their rabbis right in this talmud what they did was what they experienced in babylon 
over centuries and generations, they began to write all of this in the Talmud. So the Talmud really became a collection of many different opinions and things and spirituality and numerology and superstition and magic and whatever. And that's essentially what the Talmud, what the Talmud is. And so amongst the Yahud, you will find that they are the most superstitious of people. And you will find amongst them magic in a way that you will not find amongst other people. And that's why if you go, you can go on the internet, you can find that amongst the Yahud, they will have these websites, Rabbi so-and-so, he'll be, he'll be uh, uh, you know, uh, offering all of this magic and everything and treating it as if it's the Talmud or whatever else. You can find this abundantly on, 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 on the web. Now the Muslims actually took it from these people. The Muslims, they took this magic, it came through this route to the Muslims. Now, if I show you a couple of uh, just very quick examples, you can see, you can't really see them from here, but you know there are, there, are, there, are, there are triangles and there are circles and there are squares with numbers. When you look at where all of this comes from, this was taken by the Muslims, it was taken by the Muslimin, from the Kabbalah, from the Yahud, who in turn took it from in history, as we mentioned, from the star worshippers and the astrologers when they were in Babylon. And all of this, you can see clearly an example here in the center there. You see the, a square here in the center. You see that magic square that adds to 15, whichever way you do it, diagonally this way, across that way, down this way, it adds to 15. Now all of these magic squares, they actually represent the planets. So, so you have different magic squares. There's a magic square that adds to 15, a magic square that adds to another number when you have 4 by 4, and then 5 by 5. And each of these indicate a planet, like Jupiter, Saturn, whatever else. And what's happening really, and then you see on the side as well, they have names in Arabic, which are names of jinn. So all of this really, this is from the way of the Yahud. From the way of the Yahud. And that's why when we see in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is freeing Suleiman alayhi salam from being involved in this kufr and this shirk. Rather, this is a false claim made against Suleiman, but it was the Yahud who fell into this kufr because they took it from the angels and likewise they took it from the star worshippers in Babylon. And then it became something which they practiced. And that's why in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He refers to the Yahud as those who worship Al-Jibt Wat-Taghut. Al-Jibt Wat-Taghut. This means that they are the worshippers of the devil of shaitan. And likewise, they are the followers of magicians. And they are followers of the soothsayers and the, the fortune tellers. This is what is meant by Al-Jibti Wat-Taghut. So, from this, once we've cleared Suleiman salam from involved, being involved in this magic, and we've seen clearly that it is something that the people, they take from the devils, and the devils wrote this magic for them. Then, this now brings us to the next crucial question, which is, what does a man or a woman have to do in order to win the support and the assistance of the shayateen, of the devils? Now this brings us one step closer to, uh, to understanding magic itself, the reality of magic. So the answer to that is, first and foremost, we see that Shaykh Salih al-Shaykh, he explains the verse in the Qur'an that we just mentioned, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقٍ Allah says that they knew, meaning those Yahud, 
they certainly knew that anyone who purchases, who, who buys this magic, he will have no share in the hereafter. Sheikh Salih al-Sheikh, he says, the magician, he has to purchase, he has to buy the learning of magic. What is the price? If he has to buy magic, what is the price for buying magic? There is only one price. There's only one price for buying magic. There's only one cost. The cost of magic is... Anybody know? Huh? What is the, no, what is the cost? And what is the cost? What's the price? It's not shirk. Shirk is not the price. You have with you... When you, when you do an exchange... When you do an exchange, that person gives you some, something of value to you. You give something of value to them. So therefore, what is the cost of magic? Huh? Iman and? What is the greatest pillar of Iman? Huh? Tawheed. Yeah. Iman and Tawheed. Right? So, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ Purchasing, buying. So there's a purchase taking place. The magician is involved in a trade. He's involved in a trade. He wants something of benefit from the jinn. So he has to give something of benefit that he has himself. That thing of benefit that he has is iman and tawheed. He has to sell his iman and sell his tawheed in order to win the assistance of the jinn. The benefit of the jinn. And that's why he, the shaykh says, in place of tawheed, the price is tawheed. The price is iman in Allah. So the commodity, what are you buying? You're buying magic and what are you, what, what are you, what are you buying it with? You're buying it with your tawheed and your iman. So in other words, you have sold your religion. You have sold your religion for this magic. Now, as we said, we are looking at how does a person become a magician? Becoming a magician means... How do you win the assistance of the devils? How do you make the devil? Because all magic is by way of the jinn. So how can you win? How can you make the devils work for you? And the answer to that is, we've just given the answer, that you must commit kufr. And you must commit shirk. Now here are some of the things that a magician has to do. Right? Anyone who is a magician, who is working with the devils, you should be absolutely certain that he or she has done at least one of these things. Because it's simply not possible to win the assistance of the devils except by doing one of these things. From those things is to disbelieve in Allah, to speak ill of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to abuse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to abandon the prayer completely. In other words, you have to flee from the symbols of iman. You have to flee from the symbols of iman. So you disbelieve in Allah. You disbelieve in the prayer. And likewise, you have to desecrate the symbols of iman. Not only do you abandon the symbols of iman, but you desecrate the symbols of iman. So for example, you will see that these people, they will do things which are, which are desecration. They will pray in a toilet area. Or they will pray in a toilet area. They will put the mushaf under their feet. They will tape a mushaf under their feet and walk. This is from the, these are things that the shayateen, they tell this person that tape a Quran, a mushaf to your feet, then walk on it for two miles. 
and then you will receive our assistance. Right? This is desecration of the symbols of Islam. Likewise, they will actually throw the mushaf in a filthy area. Likewise, they will write the Quran or they will place the mushaf or they will write the Quran using menstrual blood. Menstrual blood. In fact, what you see here right now, this one and that one, is an example of the Quran. This, is, this was uh, caught from a female magician. A female magician. And the Quran is rolled into like a, you know, like a, like a pen rolled. And it's used as a tampon. So that menstrual blood can go on to the verses of the Quran. This is found with a female magician. These are pictures, right? These are things which a man or a woman has to do in order to win the assistance of the devils. Likewise, these people, they will have marital relations, so they're in Janaba, and they will remain in Janaba for a long time, 40 days, 60 days. This is from the conditions of the jinn supporting and aiding them, to remain in Janaba for a long time, continuously. Likewise, these people, you will see that they will remain in dark rooms or isolated places. So all of these are, thing, are things that a person has to do amongst the... Uh, amongst the... That, that, that they have to do. Now, a question is, we see that there's magic amongst the, amongst the Jews and the Christians as well. And you see that there'll be Jewish magicians, Christian magicians, and they will be told to do the same thing. Why? Because there are, there are disbelieving shiateen amongst the jinn who will say to them, revile Isa alayhi salam, revile Musa alayhi salam. Or they will say to them, um, you know, they, to do certain things, desecrate your book or something. Right? So just as it happens amongst the Muslimin, it also happens amongst the Yahud, amongst the Jews, and amongst the Christians uh, as well. And this is because in general, the shiateen, the, the, the jinn and the shiateen in general, the shiateen in general, they hate the notion of prophethood. And they hate the notion of the revealed books, the books which are, which, which are sent. So the ignorant ones amongst the jinn, who are from amongst the Christians and amongst the, 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 the Yahud and other than them, they will ask the Christians and Jews to desecrate their relevant books, to do things which are you know, a desecration of their relevant books. So the point being that this is found amongst the, the, the shiateen in general. And that's why we see magic amongst the Yahud, amongst the Nasara, amongst other than them as well. So now a magician, once he has sold his soul, once he sold his religion, and the jinn now are satisfied, because remember, right at the very beginning, what did we say? We said there is enmity between Iblis and Adam a.s. And there is enmity between the, the shiateen amongst the jinn and amongst the, the men. What is the goal of the jinn? What is the goal of the Iblis? Uh, what, is, uh, what is the goal of Iblis? What is his goal? To drag people into the fire. Is not that, not, that not right? He wants to drag people into the hellfire. So the jinn and the shiateen, what they see in this relationship when they, when they do this interaction with the men, is that what they are looking at is how can we take these people and throw them into the hellfire? 
That's what the that's what the shaitan is looking at when he looks at this interaction. I want this individual to enter into the hellfire. Why? Because Iblis is doomed to the hellfire. The shayateen amongst the jinn are doomed into the hellfire. They know this. So the aim is to take as many people with them into the hellfire. That's what the shaitan, that's what he sees. From the point of view of the magician, why is the magician doing what he's doing? There are two types of magician. The first magician is your average common magician who wants to earn a living, right? He is taking money off the people, he is defrauding them, and he's earning a living. So he, he'll basically do these things, he doesn't care about kufr and shirk, and he'll do whatever he does. And you know he will start earning money from the people. So this person is motivated by way of wealth, and it can also be by hatred and other things. So this is why he does what he does. There's another type of magician who actually he believes, he actually has a doctrine, he actually has a religion. And this religion is that he believes that Iblis is the true and real savior of mankind. Why? Because remember the verse that we mentioned at the beginning, where we said that Iblis came to Adam and said, that your Lord only prohibited you from this tree, lest you become eternal. Right? There are people out there who worship shaitan and the shayateen, and they do it as a religion. It's a religion for them. Their religion is that they believe that Iblis is the one who spoke the truth. Iblis has all the answers. He is the one who is going to illuminate mankind and give them the answers, to the secret to eternal life. So there are people at the high level, they believe this as a religion. It's their religion to believe in this, right? So we're not speaking of those people today, we are speaking about the people at the, at the low end, those people who just see this as an opportunity to earn money and to defraud the people. And so therefore, anyone who comes to them, they will you know, do magic, and so this one becomes ill, and this one dies, and this one becomes possessed, and this one this, and they're just playing havoc amongst the people, and in the process they are taking wealth from the people. And also they are then saying to them, we'll heal you as well. You know, then, they, they, then people come to them to heal, so what happens really is that the people become a playground for them. The people become a playground for the magicians and the uh, sorcerers. Now, how does this magic now, how does it take place? How does it take place? We've now established that the, this interaction between the jinn and men, and we've made it clear what a man must do or a woman must do to become a magician. Now when it comes to the actual implementation of the magic, how is it working? Well, there are two elements, there are two parts. The first one is what is referred to as the, the base. And what this refers to is the action which the magician does. The magician has to do an action. And this action can take many different forms. But often it's in the form of him writing something. Writing something. I showed you the examples before of uh, spells and things which people do. Um, there are some examples you can see here. Uh, you know, things that people do, they prepare using hair, using strings tied to, you know, using the Quran, using uh, cloths tied to certain things with nuts in there, using uh, numbers, symbols, all of this you've seen already anyway. So what happens is the magician, he prepares this, he prepares this thing, 
And <coughs> what he does is he then goes and he makes an incantation. He makes an incantation. And he calls out to the devils amongst the jinn. And he says, for example, O so-and-so. And he's really addressing someone from the jinn, from the leaders of the jinn. And he says, O so-and-so, I have with me this thing. I entrust it to you. I entrust it to you. So in other words, he's written the magic first. So for example, someone comes, he gives him a, a picture of a person, of the person's face, or he gives him a piece of clothing, which has been in touch with the body, or a hair or something. Then they write a spell using that item, and they fold it up or whatever else it is. Then they take it, and then they, for example, they might wait till there's a full moon, or they might have to wait till a specific time, or go to a specific place. And when they go and they plant this thing, they say, Oh, so-and-so, and they, 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 they invoke the name of a jinn. And they say, Oh, so-and-so, entrusted to you is this. We entrust this talisman to you. Right? This is now on behalf of the magician. On behalf of the magician. Now when we move to the world of the jinn, now we're looking in the world of a jinn, amongst the jinn are the top-level jinn. There are, there are hierarchies amongst the jinn as well. Just like amongst mankind, we have kings and princes, and we have you know hierarchy under the power structure. Likewise, amongst the jinn, there are the big, powerful jinn, and there are other jinn you know below that. So what happens is that when this magic on the behalf of the magician, when he's committed his shirk and kufr and done things which which desecrate the symbols of 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 of, of, of Islam, he then presents that to the, the jinn, then there are the high level jinns, and what they will do is that they will go and command a low level jinn to go to that individual and to implement the magic which has been requested. So, if it's for example a pain, an illness in the arm, the jinn will come and will enter the person and it will cause the pain in the arm. If it's uh, to separate a man and a wife, then he'll come and he'll play with the senses and the emotions of the man or the wife until things become unbearable and they, and they split. So the point being here that there are two aspects and two elements. Something that's done by the magician, this is what we call the base, the base. And then the second part is what we call the khadim, meaning the, the one who implements and the one who executes. And both of these affairs are necessary and needed in order for the magic to be to be implemented. So this is practically what is taking place. Someone will take a picture of your face or an artifact of your clothing or a hair from you or even just your name and your mother's name is, is often what, what the magicians rely upon. And then uh, this is what they do, they go through this process. Now, how can you tell whether someone is a magician or not. There are certain signs that you can tell whether someone is in, you know, is involved in magic. And there are a series of signs here. Number one, the magician will ask you for an item of clothing. If a person asks you for an item of clothing, know for sure that he is a magician. 
Even if he claims to be, you know, if he comes to you with a long beard and he wears a scarf and he's wearing a thobe and you see books on his shelf, the Quran and whatever else, if he asks you for an item of clothing, know for a fact he is a magician. Do not be deceived by anything else thereafter. Because many of these magicians, they come and they deceive the people. Let me give you an example. You can see this example here. You can't really see it, but I'll tell you what's here. This example here is, a, is an example of a spell. In the middle is a magic, they call it a magic square. Everything adds to 15. This is from the astrology of the Chaldeans and the offspring of Nimrud and the magicians and sorcerers of Babylon, which the, which the Yahud uh, adopted and they made into their Kabbalah, which the Muslims took it from them. Now, around it, there are certain names, which are names you don't recognize in Arabic. These are names of the jinn. These are names of the jinn who are being invoked to implement the magic. Around that is the na- are the names of the four Khulafa. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali radiallahu anhum. This is to deceive the people. This is just to deceive the people. Then around that we see there are verses from the Qur'an and names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this is a deception. The deception is, is to make you think that this is something Islamic and religious and involves the Qur'an, involves the sunnah. But really what this, this is just really to deceive the people. The real thing which is taking place is that this magician is a worshipper of the devils and the effect that he is going to bring about, or the cure, because many of these claim to be people who cure, is going to be brought about by way of magic. Now, there are certain signs that you can tell this person is a magician. So from them is that if he asks you, uh, bring me an item of clothing that's been in direct contact with the skin. This man is a fraudster and a charlatan and a magician. Flee from him. Secondly, if he says, what is your name and what is the name of his mother? This is another blatant warning sign that this is a magician. A fraudster and a liar and a swindler and a magician. Likewise, if you see this man who's chanting and mumbling something that you don't understand under his thing, is just mumbling something mumbo jumbo and you don't know what on earth is going on, then this man is also, he, he is a sign that he is a, 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 a devil. Now, I should point out one thing. There's this tradition that takes place amongst, I know it takes place amongst the Pakistanis, uh, maybe amongst others, where there's a certain person who when a new child is born, they take this, they take this uh, child and they go and take it to this individual, this person, man or woman, who then starts doing this uh, mumbo-jumbo business, blowing and whatever, and you know, saying things that you don't really understand. Know that this individual is a, is a magician. Because there's no such thing as muttering and mumbling something we don't understand. In, the, in, in Islam, in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, as we'll come to later on in, in the lesson, inshallah ta'ala, if we have time, that it is clear that by which we seek refuge and protection from evil is very clear in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. The mu'awwadatain, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ Likewise, the adhkar from the Sunnah, all of them are very clear in the wording and very explicit. Why do you need to utter mumbo-jumbo and hide it from the people and speak under your breath? Why do you need to hide that? Are you hiding it because there's something inherent in, that, in what you're saying? You are maybe committing shirk. Maybe you are invoking the devils and the shayateen. Right? So, the third thing is that if someone is chanting or mumbling nonsense, 
then know that this is a sign this person is a magician. Likewise, if a person asks you to do funny things and strange things, like keep away from the people and stay in your room and shut off the light and keep the curtains closed for three days or seven days or ten days or whatever. So he starts asking you these, uh, to do these funny things. Then again, this is a sign that, 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 that a, a person is a magician. As for the magician, you will find them often, you will find them in dark rooms, dark rooms. You will find them um, often using incense like the Bukhur because one type of magic of implementing magic is to use smoke. This is another way. Likewise, the magic, the magician will sometimes ask you for a sacrificial animal, an animal, a chicken or a goat or something. And he will give a certain description. It must be old, so and so, in such and such age, it must be such and such size or whatever else. He'll give you all the details and that it must be sacrificed in a certain way. Then he'll say, you take the blood and you, 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 know, you smear it on a certain place, whatever. If anyone tells you to do anything involving this, know that this person is a, is, a, is a magician. This person is a magician. Why? Because he's asking you really to sacrifice to the shayateen, to the devils, to the jinn. And sacrifice is from the greatest forms and types of worship. It is only done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, the magician often... When you come to a, a magician and he'll say, your name is such and such and your mother's name is such and such. He'll already know. He will already know what your name is and what your mother's name is. This is clearly, evidently a magician. He knows this by way of the shayateen, by way of the devils. Because he's working with the shayateen and he knows this by way of the devils. Likewise, if he gives you things like amulets in the shape of a triangle or a square, Sometimes it could be made out of leather, it could be made out of silver, and you will find, and that's why you should be careful, my brothers and sisters, is that when you go to these people, as I said to you before, many of these people, they pretend to be Islamic, and they pretend to be giving you something from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah. All of that is a deception. These people are working with the shayateen and with the devils. And that's why I guarantee you that if you find people in your community wearing these things with the, the, the black leather pouches and with the cloth and whatever else. And if you open them up and you open them up and you look at what's inside, you will see exactly what I've explained to you. There will be some symbols, numerology, there will be some names to deceive you, maybe a verse from the Quran, maybe the name of the Messenger of Allah and the, and, the, and, and, and the Sahaba. But the thing which is actually taking place in reality is the use of a jinn. The use of a jinn by way of the symbolism, the numerology, and the, 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 the you know the shirk which is inherent. So, so when you see these signs, your suspicions should be raised, and you should you know investigate further. Likewise, uh, when you see unknown symbols, unknown names, combinations of numbers and things like this, this is a, a clear sign that this is magic. Clearly, without without any doubt. Likewise, you will see. Five pointed stars. When you see five pointed stars in talismans, know for certainty this is magic. Now, it's a shame that we don't have a, you know, like a screen where you can see. But I want to, if I pass this round, maybe you take it round like this, inshallah. Yeah, I want to pass some of them round so you can see. Oops. 
Right. If you take a look at, uh, well, take these three. Before I give it to you, let me just explain. Right. Let me just explain. Let me just explain. Right. If you see a five-starred symbol, the five-pointed star, five star symbol is a well-known symbol in magic. And it actually represents, it represents Iblis. Right? You can see this symbol here. You see this one has a serpent, a snake, that's swallowing its own tail, and it has a five-pointed star. Now, this five-pointed star really is referring to Iblis, the Shiatin. And this is a, 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 a key symbol in all of magic. Right. Now this symbol, you will find it amongst the devil worshippers and the star worshippers. Now the strange thing is, these so-called talismans which are written by so-called Muslims, I'm going to pass this round and you will see scattered around uh, is the five-pointed star symbol. Right? You see, you'll see this one. And you'll see in this one. And you'll see in this one as well. Now I'm going to pass this round, you can have a look. Inshallah, just pass it through. And you'll see it in that one as well. Right? Have a, have a quick look and you'll see the symbols. So, uh, so we were saying then, as you look at those, that when you see in these talismans which are written, where you will find the Qur'an, you will find Ayatul Kursi, you will find the names of the... the, the the rightly guided Khulafa, you'll find the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all mixed in with it. And in there you will see the actual, the real thing, what they're intending. The real thing which they're intending is the magic and the assistance of the devils. And as for everything else, it's just to deceive the person to make him think that this is Islamic ruqya and something, you know. This is how it's really working, my dear brothers and sisters. Um, <clears throat> other things that they will do is they might give you a skin of an animal, or the tooth of an animal, or they will give you strings or cords to hang in your car. They might ask you to wear a certain garment that they have given you for a period of time, or a ring. All of this, ya ikhwan, all of these are clear signs of a magician. And this is because in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the sunnah, we have been clearly given the tools and the means and the ways by which to seek refuge from all types of evil, including magic, including the evil eye, including jealousy, including all of the, the natural things that we fear, like the scorpions and the whatever else in the Quran. So now we have sufficiency for all of that. So anyone who goes outside of that now brings ways and means, which, which we don't see that the Messenger of Allah or the, or, or the Sahaba were doing, then we know that this person definitely, he is involved with the with with the jinn, he's involved with the with the devils, and that's why ya ikhwan, the magicians, the magicians, they see the people as a playing field, right? So a person is a playing field, right? So one person will do magic, a magician will do a magic on a person, right? He's clearly got magic, and what will happen now is another magician will come as the one who can cure that magic. But he's a magician as well, even though he's pretending to be someone who's Islamic and whatever else, and who's using the Quran and the Sunnah, whatever else. So he'll say, come to me, I'll heal you. Right? The first magic was done by way of, of the jinn. So what this person will do is, he will now do another form of magic on that person, 
which is stronger than the first magic. Right? So in other words, now you have a stronger jinn, you have a more powerful king or leader amongst the jinn who's involved in the magic. So he will send this jinn, that jinn will come to the person and he will kick out the original jinn. Right? So the original jinn that was having the effect, that jinn will come and say, if you don't leave, you're going to be killed. So you better leave. So that jinn now goes, and the initial magic that was taking place has now stopped. So the person thinks he or she has been cured. Right? Now that magic's gone. Now when this new jinn comes, maybe a few days later, a few weeks later, that person will start now having some other effect or symptom. Right? This is, this is magic. This is magic. Then he'll go back to the same magician or another magician, and that magician will do another form of magic. So what's happening now is that games are being played. That person now is a playing field for the magicians. And that's what happened, that's what's happening out there with these, you know, with these magicians. They are just playing on the people, defrauding them, stealing them uh, from them, and that's what's going on. So we come to the next section now, inshallah ta'ala, which is the different types of magic. There are nine types of magic. There are nine ways in which a person can be affected by magic. And so we'll go through them briefly, inshallah ta'ala, uh, as time is running short. So the first, I'll mention nine of them first, and we'll mention each one briefly. First one is Sihar At-Tafriq, the magic of separation. The magic of separation. This is called the Sihar of Tafriq. It's also known. Yeah. The second is the Sihar of Al-Mahabba, the magic of love, which really means combining two people. So the first one is separating two people. The second one is combining two people. Separation and combining. That's the second one. The third one is the sihr of at-takhyil. The sihr where the imagination is played with. Your senses, your, your hearing, your seeing, your sense of touch, your faculties, your mind is being played with. That's the third one. The fourth one is the sihr of al-junoon. Al-junoon where you go mad. You are made to go mad. The fifth one is the sihr of khumul. This is where you just become lethargic. You just give up on life. You can't be bothered doing anything. This is the sihr of lethargy, where you just can't seem to be doing anything. The, that was the fifth one, right? The fifth one, yeah. The sixth one is the sihr of al-hawatif, which means you start hearing voices, you start imagining things which are not there, you start having whispers in, whisperings in your mind. This is the sixth type. The seventh type is the sihr of al-marad, which is an illness, so you become ill, a long-term illness you just can't get rid of, doctors can't figure out anything. It's, this is the seventh type, the sihr of al-marad. The eighth type is the sihr of what's called al-nazif, which is also called the sihr of al which, which relates to uh, al-istihada. This is unique to women. This is where they have a constant bleeding, which is not the bleeding of menstruation. It's the bleeding from the a vein from the womb, and it's persistent and it continues. This is the eighth type, and the ninth type is the sihr of ta'til, ta'til is the waj, where it's to prevent two people from getting married. Right? These are nine types of magic. So we'll go through each one briefly, inshallah ta'ala. The first one is the magic of separation. This is the separation between a man and a woman. This is from the greatest of things which Iblis is pleased with. You know the hadith, I'll mention the hadith very quickly because we don't have time to go through all of the texts. But you know the hadith of Iblis when he places his throne above the water and then the devils come to him one by one 
and they tell Iblis what they have done and they say, I did such and such, I did such and such. Then a, a devil comes in, he says, I did not leave this man and woman up until I separated them. So then Iblis brings him close to himself and he says, yes, you, you, you are the one, right? So Iblis is, not, is, is pleased most with the separation between a man and a woman. Now this magic is done, uh, obviously to separate a man and a woman, but also can be between a man and his father, a man and his son, and his brother, his friend, his neighbor. Likewise to separate between two partners in a company, in a business, to separate and split them. It can happen like that as well. But the worst one, and the more serious, is that between a man and a woman in, in, in marriage, that is. This is the worst type. What will happen in this, you will see certain signs, um, sudden change in character, uh, everything becoming uh, more serious than what it, what it really is, arguing over small little things. So you'll see that things start you know, escalating and uh, eventually it leads to uh, the situation of separation. This is the first type. And this is done by taking a hair or some part of the person's body or a piece of clothing and it's given to the magician and then he you know, does whatever he does. That's the first type. The second type is the sihr of al-mahabba. It's also known as at-tiwala. At-tiwala. This is mentioned in uh, the sunnah, inna ruqa wa tamaim wa tiwala shirkun. That indeed the use of incantations and talismans and tiwala, all of it is shirk. This refers to when magic is done in order to combine between a man and a woman, to make a man and a woman to, uh, you know, to, to love each other. This is often done by women who fear that their husband might leave them or might marry again or whatever. So they have reasons for doing this and then they go to a magician and the magician does magic and it forces the man to be infatuated with, the, with his wife. And so this is a second type of magic. And again what will happen, the same thing, take an artifact from the person, the hair or a piece of clothing with sweat upon it and the magic will do whatever he does. The third type is the sihr of at-takhyil. This refers to the imagination of a person. This is when uh, a shaitan is sent to an individual and he starts seeing things or he starts hearing things or he starts seeing things or he starts smelling things. All of this is his imagination, imagination being played with. And it doesn't really exist in reality. It's all in his mind or in his perception. And this is relatively easy to uh, deal with. It, you can find that um, a person can do wudu, can recite ayatul kursi, can do the adhan, can do the basmala. This type of magic is something that can be repelled by the, 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 these simple things. And uh, this takes us to the fourth type, which is the sihr of al-junoon, the sihr of madness, where a person goes mad. And uh, this is when a person begins to become forgetful, starts forgetting things, starts mumbling and stumbling in his speech, he doesn't speak properly. Um, his uh, eyes are always settled in one place, looking in one direction like this. You don't see movement in the eyes, just fixed in one direction. You see a person, he can't really feel comfortable sitting in one place, he has to move from place to another place, he's unsettled. Uh, a person is not really bothered about his appearance, so you find him not really taking care of his appearance, whatever else. 
And uh, sometimes he might just be walking around and not knowing where he's going. All of this is the, the, the madness. This is all done by way of a devil who comes and he's entrusted by the magician to come and enter that person. And what he does is he revolves around the brain because the, the jinn can enter the body and they can reside in any specific place. So they can reside in your arm, they can reside in a vein, for example, they can reside, they can come to your brain and start pressing certain areas, right? So this type of magic here is when the jinn comes and enters the brain and it starts affecting certain areas of the brain that regulate certain functions of the body. Because uh, we know the brain regulates certain things, you know, your consciousness, your moods and whatever else. And so these things are being affected by way of a devil. And uh, the, the, so this is the fourth type, the, the magic of uh, madness. The fifth type is the sihr of khumul. This just means lethargy and sluggishness and inactivity. And this is when a person, uh, he just wants to be alone, uh, very quiet, um, just he's absent-minded, um, could be having constant headaches all the time, and uh, just... Just generally lethargic, doesn't want to do anything, sitting around, lying around. Right, this is a type of uh, uh, magic as well. And again, what's happened here is the jinn has come and it's entered the brain and it's affecting those areas of the brain that deal with those functions. Um, the seventh type or the sixth type of magic is the sihr of al-hawatif. This refers to, uh, this is when you start having uh, dreams, disturbing dreams, de dreams that disturb you. You start seeing in your dream as if you're being called, someone's calling you from a distance. You're being called from a distance. You start hearing voices while you are awake. The voices which are not really there. And lots of whispers come to your mind. You start having doubts about everybody, about your friends. You start distrusting them. Is he really out to get me? Is he trying to deceive me? Is he trying to cheat me? Why did he do this? Why did he say this? What did he mean by this? All of this now, a person starts distrusting everything. Right? This, start, this starts happening in his mind. He starts also seeing in his dream as if he's falling from a high place. He sees animals which are chasing him in a dream. So all of these things, when you combine them all together, because sometimes not... Every single thing on its own is a sign of magic. But when you put all of them together as a whole, this is a clear sign that magic is being uh, done. And what's happening here is a jinn has been sent and it's playing about in, in, in the dreams and likewise in the brain or whatever else. And it leads to a person, you know, uh, having... And, and it, can, it, can, it can lead to a person to eventually becoming mad, which is the, the type that we looked earlier on. This is the sixth, the seventh type is the magic of... Uh, which relates to al-marad, which is disease. And this is when uh, you have like a persistent pain in an, an organ from your body, a limb, for example, and or sometimes you feel paralyzed, paralysis, either in your whole body or a certain part of your body, or sometimes you lose the senses, you sometimes lose the physical senses of, of touch and whatever else. All of this <coughs> is uh, from magic, and the way you can tell that this is magic or not, is that if you do a ruqya upon a person and you see trembling or shaking or whatever else, then this is a sign that this is actually not a genuine illness, 
but it involves a devil or a shaitan. Right? There's a way to distinguish between a, a natural, because there can be natural pain as well. You sprain your ankle, you have a pain in your arm, you have a pain in your leg. These can be natural as well. But the way to tell is by way of ruqya. And by way of ruqya, if you see a person trembling, shaking, feeling numb, a tingling feeling in the, in, in, in the organ, this is generally a, generally a sign that this is actually magic taking place, not a, a, a general illness. And so, um, and if a person doesn't respond to ruqya, then it's a sign that this is just a normal illness. You can go to the doctors and have it dealt with in that way. The eighth type of magic is the magic that is specific to women. And this is the constant bleeding all the time. And this is the bleeding from a vein in the womb. The devil, the shaitan has come, entered the woman, and it's lodged itself in a specific vein. And that vein, obviously, it, it bleeds. And so therefore, we have constant bleeding from the womb. And... This is, uh, again, it's actually a type of, of magic. And the eighth type is the sihr of ta'atil al-zawaj, the sihr involving where you stop someone from getting married or two people from getting married. So again, the, 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 the magic is done, the shaitan comes, the jinn comes, and it starts um, playing about that individual they might have intense fear, intense, uh, you know, they, they, what, what, what the magician does is he'll do the magic. What his aim is, is to get the jinn into the person. And what, what the jinn will do is that it will wait till the person falls into one of four situations. Either intense fear or intense anger or he's engrossed in his lusts. He's involved in some lust or something. Or he's you know, heedless, right? In these four scenarios, when a person, when a person is, is, is overwhelmed by these conditions, the jinn will, will, will take his opportunity and enter into that person. And so now what the jinn will do is that he will uh, bring about certain effects that will make that person not to get married. Or if there's two people who want to get married, he will make them appear, like make one appear ugly and repugnant and he will do everything to make the you know the, the person to not get married. So, this is the ninth type of um, magic, and there are signs and manifestations of this: having headache and having a lower back ache in the back, having a pain in the stomach, the bottom part of the stomach, being absent-minded, you know, disturbed in one's sleep. There are signs that would indicate that there's magic taking place. So. <clears throat> These are nine types of magic that are taking place between the people. All of these are the nine types. Separation, combination, that involves the imagination, the senses, that which involves madness, that, that which involves lethargy, being tired, that which involves the voices in, in, in the mind, that which involves the disease, the illness, that which involves the, for the woman, the istihada, and that which involves the inability to marry or to want to get married. Now, as we said before, we can come to a close, inshallah ta'ala, I believe uh, that our brother Abu Mu'adh Taqweem, that he's going to speak about the treatment for magic. How do you treat yourself uh, for, with respect to magic? But I'm going to finish just by concluding that what are the reasons why this magic is found in a society? We explained at the very beginning 
the very first point that we made is that when you have weakness in iman and there's the absence of tawheed and absence of tawakkal upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is one of the major reasons the main reasons why magicians begin to appear and start to defraud and cheat and swindle the people that's why when you go to countries where there are saints who are worshipped besides Allah and there are tombs and there are graves and there are mausoleums and things like that where people go to these are countries and places where magic will be rife because this is where the magicians were there because you know the people the people have departed from Tawheed and Iman and they fell into superstition and blind ignorance and so it's easy to swindle and cheat them whereas when there is Tawheed and Iman and following the Sunnah and relying upon the, the Quran and the Adhkar for protection, then the magicians and the swindlers have no, they, they, they have no match. As, as in, the, 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 they cannot bring anything to counter the Quran and the Sunnah and Tawheed and Iman. Right? So the, the magicians, they come in place in times and places where the Iman is weak. Second reason is there is no, the people don't enjoy the good and they don't forbid the evil. Like for example, let me give you an illustration. If you in your community, <coughs> you receive a, a leaflet through the door, or you read in your newspaper that so-and-so person can heal you and give you riches and change your life and you know, bring you love and get you married, and you, you find these all the time. I'm sure you receive them here in Leeds and other places. You'll have a leaflet drop, or you'll see in the, the Urdu newspaper, for example, Daily Jang, whatever it is, a little advert, for example, so-and-so offering these services. Now, one of the reasons why these people are present is because we, as people of Tawheed and Sunnah, who enjoy, we don't enjoy the good. We don't prohibit the evil. What we should be doing is taking the, the number of this individual and his address and taking a whole load of people to his house and warning the people, this person here is a magician. This person is a worshipper of the devils. This person is an evil person who's out to cheat you, swindle you, defraud you, and make sure that everybody in your community knows that. By way of a leaflet drop. This person present here, this is his number, he's advertising in such and such, whatever. This man is a charlatan, a fraud, a swindler, a cheater, a worshipper of the devils. Do not go to this individual, rather these are the ways and means you should be using, right? This is something that we're not doing in the community, which allows these people to cheat and deceive the general folk who unfortunately they don't under, you know, they're not strong upon Iman and Tawheed and so on and so forth. So the second reason is, we don't enjoy the good, we don't prohibit the evil, which is what we should be doing. We should be taking these steps to rem remove and to make these magicians go into hiding. That's how it should be. The third is, uh, that the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not implemented this only would be in a, in a Muslim country we obviously can't do it here it would be in a Muslim country the fourth reason is the spread of ignorance amongst the people and many innovative ways and paths the fifth reason is that we find the ways and means of communication have spread we have satellite TV we have cable TV, we have the internet, we have all these things. And by way of that, the magicians are able to come and to offer their services. So you'll see a magician, 
he'll advertise on satellite TV, he'll be on YouTube, he'll be, have his website, he'll be using all these means, radio channels, and so they, they've got access to the hearts and minds of the people. So this is the sixth reason, because of the spread of all these ways and means of communication. And also the seventh reason, which is very, very crucial, is that there is a specific um, agenda, there's a specific agenda to draw people into magic and the occult, right? How is this? This is by way of TV and movies and novels and stories. So you all know how there are, there are stories being written and novels being written and programs and TVs, Harry Potter and all the rest of this nonsense. And the aim is to make this magic to be as if it's something fun to be involved with. And this is really to draw people and to bring down the defenses and to bring them into, you know, to bring them into uh, things of this nature. Right? So there's a specific agenda and an objective to draw people into the likes of these things. So that's the seventh reason, a sixth or seventh reason that explains the emergence of magic amongst the, amongst the people. Now, uh, I'll quickly finish inshallah ta'ala in, by just mentioning that there are two ways to cure magic. How do you cure magic? How do you treat magic? Uh, the first way in treating magic is with magic. This is haram. You cannot treat magic with magic. As I said before, a person just becomes a playing field for the magicians. You go to one magician, he'll heal you with a type of magic. Then you'll start getting something else. Then you go to another magician, he'll do some more magic. But he'll deceive you into thinking he's using the Quran and the Sunnah when he's not. So to treat magic with magic, this is something that is unlawful. And that's why you have to be careful that you go to a person who is a person of Tawheed, a person of the Sunnah. He is known for uprightness. And all he's going to do, do for you is to recite the Qur'an, recite the Adhkar, and encourage you. He will explain to you that, that this is a trial from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is from the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will teach you and he will educate you with, you with these things. And this is how you tell that a person, this is how, how a person is a person who is a person of the truth. Now, uh, before I continue uh, to mention the... Uh, so, so the first type is to cure magic with magic, it is haram. And the second type is to cure magic by way of the ruqya. The ruqya which is in Islam. And inshallah, I hope my brother Abu Mu'ad is going to discuss this in detail in the next lesson. But before I finish, I want to mention that the way that we should treat magic is like any other trial or calamity which comes to you, right? Magic is from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Magic does not occur due to the will of any magician or due to the action of any jinn. Magic is allowed to occur by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He allows it to, to actually take effect, right? This is just in the same way for example, that if a person, for example, uh, someone wants to have a child, there are ways and means which are involved in having a child. But it may be the case that there are barriers which, which, which mean that a child is never, never born. Why? Because to have a child has many different 
ways and means that must all come together at the same time. Right? In order for a woman to conceive, in order for whatever else. So likewise, in when we speak about the effects that take place, there are multiple ways and means that have to come together at the same time. And Allah is the one who allows them or disallows them to take place. Which means that even, even if a magician does magic, it might not affect a person. Why? Because Allah has other ways and means that, that were a barrier to the magic taking effect. Right? So magic only takes effect by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you are someone who suffers from magic, then it is from the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He has put you to trial. You are being tested by being oppressed. Magic is an oppression. You are being oppressed by someone from the men and you are being oppressed by someone from the jinn. This is just like for example, someone comes and he takes your wealth. You are being oppressed. He comes and he beats you and harms you and, ha and, and spills your blood. Or, or harms you in your, in, in your body. This is oppression, you are oppressed. Right? So in the same way, magic is a type of oppression being done to your body. And the oppressor is the magician. And likewise the jinn who is involved. So therefore upon you is to have, is to, is to treat this oppression in the way decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is by the ruqya from the Qur'an the mu'awwadatain and likewise there are there are many other things that you have to do such as uh, abandon eating from the haram make sure that your earning is from the halal make sure that you are leaving and abandoning the sins that you are committing All right there are many things which, which which are present which might which which might explain why you have you have fallen prey why you have been afflicted with magic it's not just an issue of doing the ruqya there are many other things you have to remove the potential causes which are involved in the in, in the magic as well. So with that we conclude our lesson here for now because the next lesson will begin shortly in ten or fifteen minutes inshallah ta'ala. I have a number of announcements before we conclude. Uh, so please stay seated very quickly. First announcement is that the, there is food present which will be sold after the lesson. And all of the profits will go to a Masjid Waqf project in Bradford. There is a project taking place to raise money to enable a mosque to, to run, to be self-sustained. So whatever food, inshallah ta'ala, you purchase today, the, 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 the proceeds will go to the donation. Uh, so that's the, first, uh, that's the first announcement. The second announcement is that there will be another seminar next week, inshallah ta'ala. Saturday 23rd November in Bolton and in Bolton there is a conference one day conference and verily this is my straight path this is from the ayah in the Quran verily this is my straight path this is uh, 23rd November next Saturday 1 o'clock till the evening at Masjid Al-Huda Bolton Al-Huda Bolton Bella Street BL3 4DU so if you can try to attend inshallah ta'ala, bring your families and friends. The second uh, event here is a family fund day. This is a fund day to help raise uh, proceeds, uh, to, to donations, again for the Masjid Waqf project. This will be on Sunday the 1st December, so two weeks from now, two Sundays from now. This will be 12 p.m. till 5 p.m. And this will be at Al-Basira Learning Center. This is on 
uh, is it off Great Horton Road? Yeah. At the top of Great Horton Road, uh, Paternoster Lane, Bradford, where Masjid the Sunnah actually is at the moment. There will be a fun day, there will be bouncy castle, food stalls, and kids' activities, and go karts, things like this. So try to attend. This is to raise money for the uh, Masjid Waqf project, inshallah ta'ala. And also, for those of you who um, maybe are new to this uh, lecture and the series of lectures, then there are regular lessons which take place in Leeds every Sunday. Every Sunday in this venue, there is a lecture at 7.30 p.m. So inshallah, please try to attend regularly. The, the brother who is going to do the next lesson, he attends and he gives the lessons, very beneficial lessons in Tawheed, Iman, Aqidah. And likewise, there are weekly lessons in Bradford as well, at Masjid al-Sunnah. And this is every Friday at 7.30 p.m. So inshallah, try to, there are activities taking place in your area. Try to attend and benefit inshallah ta'ala. Bring your family, bring your friends, bring your children uh, to, to benefit. And with that, if there's no other announcements, we conclude our lesson. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa jazakum lahu khairan.